Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Marshawn right circle down towards the dot. Cross ice pass scores. What a shot that was over at the far post. And that's Coyle. And it's a 3-0 Boston lead. Once again, rough sledding against the Boston Bruins for the Buffalo Sabres last night as the Blue and Gold were handed their first loss of the season 4-1 at Key Bank Center. Former Sabre Linus Olmark getting the win, 35 saves in net for the Bruins who are 14-2 against Buffalo in their last 16 matchups. Pat Malacaro has the recap on our website, TJ Luckman's three observations they're up at WGR550.com. While the result was the same old story, Buffalo did outshoot the Bruins 36-25 last night and remained a thorn in Boston's side throughout the evening. A sign of optimism for young players like Dylan Cousins as the Blue and Gold look to bounce back tonight. That's one of the best teams in the league, and I think we played a really good game against them. I think we outchanced them, and you know, if a few more bounces went our way, I think we definitely could have won that game. But um, you know, we just got to regroup after that and get ready for tomorrow. Buffalo gets right back to it tonight against the New Jersey Devils on the road. Puck drop set for 7 o'clock tonight. We got pregame starting at 6 right here on WGR. Other games around the NHL last night. The Leafs already causing fans to throw jerseys on the ice as they lost to the Sharks 5-3. The Stars beating the Kings in overtime 3-2. The Oilers 5-0 after a 5-3 win over Vegas. UB football playing today. The Bulls are in Akron against the Zips. That one is a 3.30 kickoff. You can hear that over on our sister station, the Bet 1520. Other top games in college football going on today. Number two, Cincinnati taking on Navy. Number three, Oklahoma visiting Kansas. Both of those games, a 12 o'clock kickoff. Number 10, Oregon is at UCLA at 3.30 this afternoon. Meanwhile, number four, Alabama plays host to Tennessee later tonight at 7 o'clock. That's been your Paddock Chevrolet Sports Update. For updates at the top of every hour or when sports news breaks, I'm Derek Kramer. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents... I made a special sauce. Do you want to hear about my sauce, Derek? Do you want to hear about it? Yes, Nate. I would love okay, to so hear I made about like, your special sauce. I made like a... <laughs> Sports Talk Saturday. You good? I can't do even do this show because you're a child. Like, my producer is a child. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Hit the button, hit the button for me. It's not working. Welcome in. It's a Sports Talk Saturday. And uh, yes, the child that is uh, me is um, now no longer the producer for today. I am Derek Kramer. This is Sports Talk Saturday. No Nate Geary for you this morning into the afternoon. I know some of you might be secretly cheering. Some of you are lamenting. And you know what? We're still going to have some fun either way. Why? Because the Sabres are off to a uh, weirdly hot start. The Bills, they're on the bye week, but they're still looking good at 4-2. and two. 
Good morning to you all. As we are in another edition of Sports Talk Saturday, Derek Kramer, Zach Jones with me now behind the glass this afternoon. For the rest of the day, got a hell of a guest lineup for you today as we talk about the Sabres, we talk about the Bills at the bye week, and we hope to hear from you as well. 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. You can text us as well. The text line, it's the same number, 716-803-0550. The Sabres are... They're three and one. They're second in the Atlantic. Yes, I know. It's four games in. Shut up. But the weirdest thing I remember seeing from like this week about the Sabres and how hot their start was was that uh Brayton Wilson, he had made a tweet about waivers. And that Seattle had already sent someone that they had drafted on waivers. And Brayton said the Tampa Bay Lightning had the first dibs at it. Which was weird because I'm so used to over the last three, four years, the Sabres are generally one of those teams that's first in the waiver wire priority. Why? Because of the fact that they're the team that has been the worst record almost always. Last night, you got the same old result, which was you still can't beat Boston. Why can't we beat Boston? Well, they have a very good team with top end talent. They have similar problems with the Lightning right now, and that's natural. You can still randomly beat the Leafs, and I'm okay with that. Every Buffalo fan is okay with that. However, last night, that did not look like a typical loss to the Boston Bruins. The Sabres looked good. They were flying. They had better chances. They had more shots. They were looking all sorts of a team that should not have been losing by three goals. And I think someone that could back that up with better stats and better numbers is now joining us. On the West Her Hotline, expected Buffaloes, Anthony Scandra. Anthony was already on GR earlier this week, and I was like, I need more of my numbers and my stats because I'm dumb, smooth brain, and I need more numbers and I need better numbers. So we've got Anthony on to help better explain what is up with Buffalo's start right now as Anthony joins us this morning. Anthony, what's up, buddy? How you doing, man? Good to be on again. Yeah, I know. Like, hey, we already enjoy having you on so much that I couldn't wait three days to get you back. Well, I appreciate it. Glad to be back. And speaking of glad to be back, hockey has been back, and the Sabres are looking a lot better than their usual, which for the past 10 years is a very low bar, but I digress. Hmm. So, Anthony, last night they didn't get the win, but they looked like a team that should not have lost by three goals. Yeah, that is definitely an accurate assessment, right? And um, <laughs> if you want to look at it from a, an even strength standpoint, uh, the Sabres had over 61%, almost 62% of the expected goal rate, right? So the only line from Boston that was really kind of dominating play while they were on the ice was the Bergeron line. And, you know, that's not a surprise. They, they do that to everybody. They might be the best line in the league. So to that extent, it wasn't really – a shock or, or a disappointment to see that line kind of take over, you know, a, a competent but kind of, you know, low on talent Sabres team. Um, but other than that, the Sabres look great. Uh, you know, it was they, they could have done a little more on special teams. I think they had, um, what was it, four or five chances last night. I wish they would have maybe converted on one of those. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tough, though. You, you were facing a goalie who was feeling it and Lena Allmark. And, you know, sometimes, you know, things break down that way. But, 
yeah, they definitely didn't look out of place, as you said. And, and to your point, it definitely didn't look like a game where uh, they should have been down by three goals at, at any point, really. Uh, I, I think the thing that really, um, I guess, inspired me the most or, or made me feel the most confident is going into that third period down 3 nothing. you would see under Ralph Kruger and, and probably years before that, going back to Housley and, and Rolston, whoever you want, Balsma, Sabres teams don't come out for that third period if they're down 3 nothing. They kind of plod along. They go through the motions. They look tired. They look defeated. That team thought they could win last night, and that was great to see. And, and you know, then, then you get an opportunity where Olsen scores, and now, now you're on the power play, and you've got the goalie pulled. you got two men extra on there, and, and, oh, my gosh, it's a game. Like, we might be able to do this, right? So I think that was the, my biggest takeaway from last night is they still felt they could win that game, and, and they knew they were in it the whole time. So, Anthony, the other big thing about this is that usually this team causes a lot of fights among the fan base with, and this is where you and Chad DeMinicis really help kind of bring things along and try to get fans into a different era of how to watch hockey and analyze it. Um, There's oftentimes the fight between the eye test and the analytics, but this team right now is kind of, again, it's only four games in, but you look at what they were doing in the last half of the season under Donnie Meatballs and how they manage to look not only more competent, but have the puck and possess the puck far more that analytically and with the eye test, they're seemingly meshing a lot more under Don Granado. Yeah, I think, uh, well, well, you know, to your initial point, right, I think the main thing that people need to understand who, who maybe aren't familiar with analytics is, it's not averse to the eye test. It's quite opposite, actually. It's supposed to work in conjunction with it, right? Nobody believes that you can look at a spreadsheet and know what happened exactly in a game, right? You need you need to pair them together. It's not a mutually exclusive thing, and and we say that a lot uh, on the Expected Buffalo podcast. Both Chad and I, we, we try to make that point clear that it's not anti-watch the game, but it, it adds another useful and, and helpful tool. Uh, to, to your the viewing experience and the, the process of analyzing play and analyzing impact. So, you know, we, we, we don't want to – we try to steer away from the narrative that those things are separate because they're really not. Um, in terms of Don Granado's teams, man, uh, so – and I, I mentioned it uh, when I was on earlier this week with Brayton. It, it was interesting. To close out last year, there was a kind of immediate uptick in offensive competency when Granado took over, right? And it was because he was running a more high event – fast break approach to go along with that uh defensively the metrics took a big hit and probably a bigger hit than they were earning on offense so what's interesting to see about this year's Sabres team is that they're one of the most defensively competent teams in the league granted it's four games but in this very small sample they've done a great job of extinguishing chances against And, and you know I think a lot of that has to do with Getting rid of, or not getting rid of, I should say, trading Rasmus Ristolainen. That's a big deal. I'll say getting uh, rid of. Getting rid of, sure, but, but at least they got something else. Uh, but yeah, I mean, losing him as part of you know that group is a big deal because he was hurting them in that regard um, for years, honestly. And, and when he's eating up 25, 26 minutes a night, it just furthers that detriment. So, um, and then adding just quietly competent players, right? Like Mark Pezik, and, and even though he had a bad year last year, Will Butcher had his first two years, he was a very good analytics player. And he's kind of regaining that alongside Darlene. I actually think he looks better next to Darlene than Yoki Haru did. So it'll be interesting when Yoki Haru comes back how 
uh, Don Granado kind of revamps his, his pairings there because I think it'd be tough to take Butcher out at this point. But again, four games, it's a very small sample. We'll see what happens. Um, but, you know, to your point, too, I, I think that he's doing a better job of balancing his forward lines where it, it's not he's not front-loading, right? He, it's kind of three really – there's no real top line. It's three balanced lines, and then your defensive group of uh, Eakin – well, now John Hayden because Eakin's out, but uh, Gergensen's and Oposo. And, and they're doing a great job as well because Gergensen's and Oposo have a history of being really defensively competent forwards, uh, you know, in that deployment setup. So I think he's just got a better idea of the actual talent and actual skill sets he has in front of him, and he's got a better idea of how to uh, optimize them. Anthony Scandra of Expected Buffalo joining us here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Uh, one of the things I really wanted to bring up, you had mentioned it already, is the defensive pairs and how they've been deployed. The minutes mm-hmm. are relatively even throughout the top six on that group, as well as Yoki Haru after he was injured. And Yoki Haru, with the average time on ice, he played one game, he got close to 17 minutes. But Darlene, 21.40. Miller, 21.18. But the lowest is Pesic at 17.52. It's not like they're really burdening any one pairing with this, which you right. mentioned with the usage of Ristolainen in years past, which was 25 minutes a night. Go out there and do it, kid. Uh, no, it's pretty much they're balancing this group of defenders to make sure that they're all more confident, more comfortable, and they're all fresh throughout the evenings. Yeah, for sure. And and what you're seeing is that all three of those groups, they, they've almost got a niche, right, where uh, the Pezik and Hag duo, they've only been deployed in the offensive zone to start you know, their shift 20% of the time this year, which is crazy low for a defensive pairing. And then you've got Miller and Bryson, who are a little more balanced at 58%, and then Butcher and Dahlin, who have been uh, more offensively tilted at around just under 77%. So, you're seeing he, he has a strategy or he has a, a plan in place of how he wants to use and deploy those pairings. And it, it's, it's meshing with their skill set, excuse me. And you've got, you know, three groups right now. I mean, two of those defensive pairings are over a 68% uh, expected goal rate. And the, the third one is, is, you know, around 54%. So they're all performing really competently. And, you know, credit to him again for, and, and credit to Kevin Adams for adding, you know, analytics background players, guys he felt he could, you know, leverage those skill sets and balance and credit to Granado for implementing it. So, you know, you've got guys with kind of different proclivities in that defensive group and, and Granado just knows where to put them and, you know, when to put them in situations to succeed. Anthony, the other thing that you're looking at here, though, all throughout this team is it's a little bit of balance with this group and Victor Olofsson Tage Thompson, they're kind of your guys that have been doing the goal scoring. Poor Dylan Cousins. I Yeah. Man, last night was a uh was a highlight for the unfortunate luck that the kid has been having here. And it's just kind of been a microcosm to his season so, so far. He only has two assists on the year, and those are his only two points. Uh but Dylan Cousins has been playing far better than his point production is showing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean he's he could very well be the Sabres' best offensive play driver through four games. But like you said, and I'd struggle to call it snake bit just because of how early it is, but he's snake bit. I mean, he, he's, he's really doing a nice job of getting into scoring position. He's had some really prime chances, and, you know, the, the back of Linus Allmark's skate yesterday robbed him of, uh, of another one, right? So, um, yeah, as you said, he, he's doing a, a really nice job of getting into scoring position. Uh, he, he's 
I wish he one thing about him, and this is not a knock on him, so to speak. I, I do wish he was a little bit quicker because it seems like there are times when he, he's trying to catch up with his line mates a little bit. But that being said, he's putting himself in just outstanding positions on the ice. Um, and, yeah, he's, his expected goal rate is way up from where it was last year. Uh, I think we're seeing a natural progress. And when that first uh, goal does come in, I think the floodgates are going to open a little bit for him because it's almost like the Jeff Skinner thing that he's been dealing with for two years where he's, just in prime shooting position all the time. He's just not burying it. But fortunately for Cousins, he's very young, and, and that's not a sign or a trend or anything. It's just something that's happening right now, and it should break free, and, and you'll, you'll see those goals come for him. And that was exactly the next name I wanted to bring up was one Jeff Skinner. Uh, famously in the doghouse under the last coach, and I hope he steps on a Lego every morning. But <laughs> Skinner, already three points in four games. He's already back up to close to 17 minutes per game. He's getting his ice time He because Granado seems to know that talent plays and it can mm-hmm. succeed, especially having a veteran score for this young group has been important for the start of this season. Yeah, you know, I mean, Jeff Skinner should be playing. He's, he's one of the best offensive play drivers on the team, and he, he was last year, to be quite honest. But, the, you know, and, and I talked about it a little bit with Brayton earlier in the week too. The, the problem with a Jeff Skinner is – He's great at all those things, and nothing about him in that regard, right, of what he does prior to the shot, let's say, has changed, right? He, he's equally impactful across the board in terms of, you know, expected goals, being in good shooting position, high-danger chances, all of those things. Nothing's really jumped out at you as this is a problem except his finishing ability. It has fallen off a cliff since, the, you know, since he signed that contract, honestly, and you know, it's not anything he's necessarily doing wrong prior to the shot. It's just they're not going in for him, and and it's it's kind of declined every year. Uh, his his rate of um, his Fenwick rate, meaning you know his his unblocked shots for and the the conversion off of Fenwick, it's going down, and that's a problem. So again, you, you hesitate to say he can't get that back because random stuff happens, and hockey's a weird sport. But you're going on two years of just a really low shot conversion rate for him, which is not what he's accustomed to in his career, and it's a concern. And, again, you pay Jeff Skinner $9 million to score goals, and you know all the other offensive impact stuff is nice, but he's got to score goals, man. Yeah, it's it's tough, but then you see that backhand that he just roofed a couple of games ago against mm-hmm. Vancouver, and you just go, there it is. There's that finishing touch that you need, and there's that guy with the, with the $9 million smile. Uh, to go along with it. So it's good to see Skinner getting the minutes again, getting the chances, and you just have to hope that, again, that shot percentage and those high-danger chances, they can finally be converted again. He's only at 7.7% shooting again already this season. And, of course, though, the leading forward for scoring for this Sabres team is exactly who everyone predicted it would be, uh, Zemgis Gergensen's. <laughs> you mentioned that line though already of Gergensen's Oposo and then Eakin slash uh, I'm sorry it was a Hayden and they early on especially Oposo has looked like one of the best players on this team. Yeah, I mean Oposo and Gergensen's have have done a great job, especially through the first three games of, of uh, flipping the ice. You know they they get a very high rate of defensive zone deployments and. They're doing probably better than any other forward, definitely better than any other forward group at uh, preventing chances against. So not only are they starting in the defensive zone and, and competently, uh, you know, transitioning out, they're maintaining pressure once they flip the ice. And 
they're a really aggressive forechecking line. Um, they're they're uh, none of them have really an elite skill set anywhere, but all of them are are very good at you know just winning those physical battles and I, I guess just puck retrieval in general at either end of the ice. So um, credit to them, they they look great. Oposo looks twenty six years old for some reason, and you know hopefully that lasts because that's a much more fun Kyle Oposo to watch. And Zemgis Kurgensen is all the credit in the world to him. You know, he's, he missed an entire year last season, and he's come back like nothing happened. And he's the same player, better. I mean, he looks better even. So, again, four games. We, I want to, you know, just kind of temper what we've seen early on, but it's encouraging for sure. It's encouraging for sure, and now we go to the next step of this conversation, Anthony, which is what do we still expect from this team? Yes, it's been a hot start. Yes, it's only been four games. Um Fans do still need to be tempered at the fact that there is no high-end talent because that was the thing that did them in last night. Boston's top line, as you'd mentioned, does this to everyone. The Sabres don't have that this year. And this is the first time that you actually can see like they don't have that top-end elite scoring talent. I mean, you have Rasmus Dahlin, who is an elite talent, but the rest of it is guys that are still developing, just entering it, or really a, a bunch of guys that are just picked up off the waivers or off a of free agency. They're... They're guys that are going to be having you temper your expectations, but through the first four games and from what you've seen from Granado already, is there a lot more hope going into this that maybe they just mess around and don't go finishing in last like everyone saw? Oh, for sure. Um, I don't. So I was a little more, and Chad and I both, it's funny, every year when we do our predictions, we're, we're kind of called, you know, Scrooges for how low we have them, uh, especially after they signed Taylor Hall. We were the bearers of bad news that that didn't mean as much as people maybe thought it did. Uh, but this year we were we were both a little more on the optimistic end. We were both, I think, in the low 70s for, for point projection, and I don't think either of us had them finishing last. Uh, so yeah, I think it's it's going better than even we projected on the more optimistic end. And if, if that you know maintains, that holds up, yeah, you could be looking at a team that, you know, probably finishes around where the Bales-Mayera teams finish, low 80s. They, they could sneak up in, into that realm, right? I, I think talking playoffs is silly still, and let's, let's see some more names, and there, there's a lot of things missing on this team. But uh, I think it was CJ Totoro on Twitter who, who said this. Um, he, he covers the Devils. He said, uh, it's amazing what a group of relatively unknown hockey players can do when they're not burdened by Rasmus uh, Ristolainen for 25 minutes a night. So... You know, again, it's the addition by subtraction thing, and, and other people on Twitter have been bringing up, you know, imagine this team minus Ristolainen plus Eichel and Reinhardt, what they'd look like. It's like, yeah, they'd probably be pretty good. So, uh, again, I think it, it boils down to system. It boils down to the front office really targeting guys with analytics histories or, or guys they felt that they can maybe – uh, refurbish a little bit in, in Granado's system. I mean, Robert Hag's a great example. He's looked very, very competent through four games. And uh, last year, he, he actually had decent metrics. But the, for the four years of his career before that, I mean, he was a brutal analytics player. And so they're putting him in a position to succeed. They're kind of facilitating his skill set a little bit with how they use him. And, yeah, it, it's going really well. So could they surpass expectations? Absolutely. And I, I, I anticipate they will. Yeah, and Anthony, I, I do want to throw one last little curveball here before the end sure. of the segment, and it's this. It's the former Sabres, uh, guys that you know you saw go away after this year, and uh, a couple of them have looked brutal as they did here. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. Ristolainen, and already he had 
been on the ice for two brutal goals against for Philadelphia in his first game against, well, it was Boston. Uh, that one dump in where it causes Taylor Hall to go on a breakaway. Then he loses Marshawn next to the net. And you just go ahead and you get flashbacks to the Rasmus Ristolainen that we were so used to here. And then the other one that you look at, uh, the team that a lot of a lot of analysts paired with Buffalo is Arizona. And, oh, my God, what is up with Carter Hutton? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think I think everybody knew on Hutton a little bit. Yeah, right? I mean they, he was he was real bad last year, and you know a team like Arizona, who man, if they're if they're not to the same level, let's say of of the tank Sabers from fourteen fifteen in terms of brazenly trying to lose, they're <laughs> darn close to it. Uh, and Carter Hutton's a, a great kind of. Um, uh, covert goalie to do that with like look he's got a history of success but also we know he's terrible now so he's our starter and you know his, his backup Bill Maka is very clearly outplaying him uh, so we'll see what happens there but yeah he's had a rough go of it and on Ristolainen and it was funny I was kind of stalking Flyers Twitter for for that first game he was in just to see kind of what their narrative was and you had a mix of like what is this guy doing and also the same kind of uh, process of acceptance that, that <laughs> Sabres fans went through with him where the, the Flyers fans are in a really early stage right now where it's like, yeah, but he, hit, he made that hit and it really changed the momentum. It's like, ooh, like, yeah, you're going to see that that's not the case. He made that hit and then what you didn't see <laughs> is he lost his man because he made the hit and, you know, that first goal on the breakaway, he made a bad shift change and then on the second one, he lost the puck completely in front of the net and got caught watching. So, you know, it, again, you, you don't you, you don't want the guy to do poorly. You're, we're, we're not rooting against Rasmus Ristolainen here. He was a good soldier. He, he you know, never really uh, spoke badly of the organization when he was here, and he was here for one of the probably the worst era in franchise history, maybe yeah. NHL history, for a given team. So, you know, uh, you don't you know you're not rooting against him necessarily, but to see it's a little bit affirming to see the same things happening for a different organization where that was the big thing with Ristolina, where people, you know, the kind of last stand uh, the Risto defenders had was, well, it's because of this team. He's been on a bad team his whole career. Mm, okay, let's see him on a better one, you know, and, and we'll see what happens. Again, I think he's only played one game, right, for them, or maybe two. But, you know, again, it's early, but I think the only guy I'm really confident that's going to keep struggling is Hutton because, man, just the last three years have been a train wreck for him, and and this year he's even putting that to shame. He in two in he less really than is. less than two games uh, for all the listeners out there. Less than two games, he's already given up fourteen goals on uh, on forty seven shots, which is good for a seven oh two save percentage. And Zach is mm. looking at me on the other side of the glass and just has a stunned face on there. And yeah, no, it is it has been unfortunate there. So and like you said, you don't want to see these guys doing bad because you know the fact that they tried and you give them credit for it, but. It's yeah, just effort was never the yeah. question with those guys. You it's know just I mean? unfortunate. Same with, same with guys like Bogosian, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was never an effort thing. They never, you know, that was never the narrative. It was just they weren't playing well. Yep, and that's unfortunately how it goes. But you know what else goes is that the Sabres, they have a go at it tonight against New Jersey. And, Anthony, I want you to give the listeners uh, the info on where to follow you, where to hear your stuff. Yeah, sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Expected by Ant. Um, obviously, all my articles and the podcast stuff is right at Expected Buffalo, which is just expectedbuffalo.com. And Chad and I are very excited. You know, we, we launched that site last year in the middle of the pandemic with no hockey going on. And 
it was a risky proposition, but we're thrilled with how it's taken off, and uh, we appreciate everyone's support and who, who listens to the pod and, and reads our work. Hey, and uh, it's always nice to have more opinions with this team, especially with how uh, how sometimes this fan base can be uh, a little bit more than apathetic. So yes. getting some fresh blood and uh, and different outlooks on them and using the numbers in a way that some fans, myself admittedly, uh, I don't fully understand them. But we've got you, we've got Chad to help the dummies like me along. And like well, you said, you it supplements the, it quick. supplements what you watch. Yeah, I'll tell you this real quick. Eddie Tabone, who's one of our writers over there, he, he has a great job, um, series at our site called Expected Learning where he dives into all of the more commonly used uh, analytics terms that you hear, and he, he explains what goes into them, how those – you know, figures are, are created and, uh, you know, all the ingredients that go into the numbers. So if anyone's really interested in, in learning about it more, Eddie does probably the best job on the Internet that I've seen of explaining those concepts. And there we go. Anthony, they play tonight. I'll see you up on Twitter. <laughs> Sounds great, man. Thank An- you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Anthony Scandra of Expected Buffalo on the West Her Hotline. I pulled a Nate. We're way late to break. And on the other side, we keep going Sabres. Why? Well, I mean, it's the fresh thing on our minds. And also, because Brian Koziel joins us next, the in-game host, the intermission host, the post-game host, who's been doing this for long enough that we need to see a winner. And uh, I, I think Brian deserves to be able to cover cover some some games with a, with a competent NHL team here. On the other side, Brian Koziel joins us. This is Derek Kramer, Zach Jones behind the board. Sports Talk Saturday rolls on next, right here on WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Podcast. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. 
Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Five and a half to go, third period. Miller carries into the Boston zone. Nice little pass. Olofsson scores! Sabres are on the board with 5.25 to go in the third period. Victor Olsen scored a goal last night for the Sabres. He's the leading forward, tied with Zemius Gergensen's four points aside. And, but they're not the leading point scorer on the team. That belongs to Colin Miller, actually, with five assists on the season in four games for the Buffalo Sabres. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer, Zach Jones, we're in for Nate Geary this morning into the afternoon. And I'm already late. So I might as well not dilly-dally here, as uh, Brian Koziel is probably used to this by now on Saturdays. Uh, any segment, oh, wait, we're late to the break. Uh, Brian, first off, it's been way too long since I've been able to talk to you. How are you? Good morning. It has been. We uh, we miss you on Tita Green uh, all year this year. But Corey did a great job filling in, but uh, we missed you. Glad to talk to you again. Hey, it's always, it's always good to hear from you, Brian. And um, I, I will say, though... Uh, it's been an entertaining start for the Sabres this season, one that I don't think many of us expected, even with the weak opponents to start the year, uh, how, lo- how strong they looked against Boston last night, despite the score. It's got me feeling a little warm and fuzzy inside. Should I be, uh, should I be concerned that I'm going to fall for another trap? I've been asked this by a few people. They're like, I, we can't get sucked back in, can we again here? And I, I think the answer is yes and no, not to not – to, go on the fence with your question. I think what you can expect is that you'll be entertained and you won't be frustrated by watching this team. I think what Kyle Oposo said after opening night is definitely going to hold, again, over 82 games, these aren't robots. like They're human beings. It's, you may not get it every period for all 82 games, but I think what Kyle Oposo said is true. He, when he wrote that letter to the fans, he said, look, we're going to play – we're, you know, we're going to come to work. I'm paraphrasing here. He, you know, we're going to come to work. We're going to work hard. We're going to try to work harder than our opponent, and we're going to do it in an entertaining fashion. And I think you've gotten that through four games, regardless of how you felt last night went. I think at least for the entire first half of the game, they were clearly the better team than the Bruins. Unfortunately, the Bruins, when the Sabres made a few mistakes, just executed with their all-stars that, you know, the Sabres right now, unfortunately, on the other side, they don't have those guys. Um, I think you are going to get a team on most nights that is going to be watchable, and that hasn't been the case a lot over the last handful of years, for sure. So to answer your questions, you know, the warm and fuzzies, I think you'll get that watching them because they will give you a strong effort. I think there will be nights where they will look dominating at times because of this effort. I just wonder at some point, Will the fact that we know the talent is not as strong as some of these other teams in the league, like Boston, like Tampa, that we'll see on Monday in the arena, uh, will that come back to bite them? And I think probably some nights they'll get away with it, and some nights they won't. And last night, when you make glaring errors in your own end, which, again, it didn't happen that often, but when you do it when Pasternak, Marchand, and Bergeron are on the ice, they usually make you pay like they do to their other teams, too, that they play against, so... Um, I think there's a lot of positives to come out of these first four games. Um, 
one of which is that they definitely are more watchable than they were for the last handful of years. I mean, I'm so happy that that low bar is able to be cleared again, Brian, that they're watchable, they're entertaining. And from what we saw from Granado throughout the second half of last season and the start of this one, you're looking at not just a more competent team, but again, the expectations they are manageable because we know that they're not going to be world enders. And like you said, some days they're not going to be able to get away with it if they're playing a strong, sound game and just not have the top-end talent. However, you look at this team and how they've been able to deploy the defensive units so far with Darlene and Bryson, each of them over 20 minutes a game, but that's pretty much it. There's no one like trying to eat minutes on this team. I'm very fascinated by how Granado has been deploying those pairings on the back end and how they've been been able to manage keeping them all within a role that is most comfortable with their players. Yeah, and Don Granato definitely should get a lot of credit, and you said it right. He's putting these guys in positions to be successful. I mean, what happened last year with Rasmus Dahlin after Ralph Kruger was there? He essentially said, I'm giving him the green light to do what he does best, and he's doing that with some of his other forwards, too, these guys that are learning. And, and some of the veterans that have been there for a long time, like Kyle Oposo and Cody Eakin and others like that, they're, he's finding a role for them to be successful. I love what he said about the younger guys. He said, we need, you know, they need to gain experience. And he said, the best way for them to gain experience is to do it aggressively. He said, I want them to do what we want to do in a game plan. If a mistake is made, he goes, we'll live with that and we'll learn from that. But he goes, to gain experience from playing conservative and playing scared and playing safe, he goes, that's not necessarily always how you gain experience. You know, I, you know, I, I guess you could, how, how do you, the first time you learn to ride a bike, well, you, you could watch a video all day. You could watch somebody doing it. At some point you got to get on the bike and you may fall off, but by you falling off, the next time you get on it, you're probably going to do a better job of it because you want to do that experience. And, you know, I, I like the way that he's saying that, that he wants his guys to play north-south. He wants his guys to play heavy puck pressure. We've heard that word, puck pressure, quite a bit from a lot of the players. So you can, I'm sure, tell that Don Granato is stressing that with his team. And I'm okay with it. Look, we, we're all, there's nobody here that's a Sabres fan that's under this misconception that they're going to win the Stanley Cup this year. So why not go ahead and do what you want to do. The guys believe in it. Kyle Oposo said there's belief in the room. There hasn't been that in many years being here, since he's been here, he said, which is pretty odd considering there's been quite a few coaches and quite a different group of players and leaders with this team. The fact that he says now there's finally a belief that they actually believe what Don Granato wants them to do is actually the best for them. And when you have your players behind you in a high-effort sport like hockey where – puck pressure does matter what possession does matter like i think those things are going to go a long way for this sabers team here that clearly is not as talented as a team like boston is but last night to me still i walked out of there feeling good about what i saw you've got to have to play very very well in your own end when you're playing against teams like boston like tampa because they will make you pay and you know what a couple of bounces last night and we could be having even another different conversation last night tage thompson hit a post will butcher hit a post Dylan Cousins somehow didn't score. I'm not blaming Dylan Cousins. He somehow didn't score when Linus Allmark got like the back of his skate edge in the pad to catch a puck that the whole arena thought went in the net. So sometimes hockey is a little bit of puck luck too, and that was definitely, I think, a little bit of what we saw with the Sabres last night in terms of them only getting that one goal. 
Brian Cozio joining us on the West Her Hotline. You'll be able to hear from him later tonight as Sabres pregame starts at 6 here on WGR. You mentioned Tage Thompson's name, and that's kind of fascinating to me. Granado just stuck him at center in the preseason. Everyone's scratching their heads, and he's looked pretty solid so far down the middle. I agree. He seems to be thriving on the added responsibilities, too, that come with playing center. Some of these guys just haven't really been, I guess, had a high expectation held up for them, you know, for their career. I mean, Casey Middlestat, unfortunately, you know, you know, the injury right now, he's out of the lineup. But last year, more was expected of him, and all of a sudden, he looked like a pretty good player. Now, wh- whether or not this can continue over the course of a, the next five, six years of a career, you know, we'll obviously see that play out. But for now, I'm very impressed with what we're seeing from Tage Thompson. The mental errors that we saw from him in previous regimes and previous coaching staffs, we're not really seeing those that much anymore. And his offensive talent that we all know he has and his great shot that we all know he has, the ability to snipe a goal at any point, like that can happen. And it almost been very impressed with the move of Thompson being there. The fact now that the Sabres have flexibility among players. Let's even look at a player last year that's not on this team anymore, Sam Reinhardt. Don Granato has put him there, and it worked. He's not afraid to try new things, and that's something that we talk about in the NHL so often, that there's such an old-school mentality that this is the way you have to do things in the NHL. No, you don't. And why not do it with a group right now where there is lower expectations, where there is no Stanley Cup or bust sort of mentality? Why not try it? Don Granato is so comfortable doing this. It's like a quiet arrogance that there is that no one associate that word with Granado. But I, I just I love it how he has this sort of just free willing ability and, and want and desire to say, hey, let's try that. And if it doesn't work, okay, we just won't do it anymore. Like he's it's it sounds like a guy who's got like a guaranteed life coaching contract when really he's obviously coaching for the first few weeks officially as a head coach for the first time in his career. But I've been very impressed with that mentality. You know, it's part of kind of – it goes back to last year too when he took over as the interim, Brian, and it's not just saying the things that he wants to do. It's that he's implementing them. The most famous one for me last year was Dylan Cousins was going to play against the Backstrom line against Washington, and he just wanted him to learn that responsibility and learn how to play it against the best players, and there's only one way to do it. And and if you make a mistake, you can learn from it. And he just continues to implement these things with almost every situation that you have. Darlene is getting a lot of offensive zone starts because he believes in his talent offensively and being able to create. You have Thompson going in the middle. You have Skinner playing more ice time again after being buried into the fourth line and sometimes the press box under Kruger. It's not just the fact that he is looking at these things and thinking of new concepts. It's the fact that he continues to say them and implement them that is allowing fans to not only feel a little more entertained about this team, but actually be able to generate a little hope for the future. I agree. I mean, Darlene had a rough game last night. He had some issues turning the bucks over. Marchand was kind of a pest to him like he is to a lot of teams. Um, he and Butcher, I thought, had a rough go at it in terms of comparing to their other three games so far. But, yeah, putting Darlene to be in a position to be successful, I mean, that's all you want from a head coach. I think sometimes he coaches maybe overcomplicate things Playing simple, Darlene, look, if this is what I want you to do, go do it. Let's practice it, and let's practice it hard, and then when you go to the game, you're going to do it hard there too, and it seems like that's converting. I mean, Paul says it, Paul Hamilton says it all the time, like they are practicing 
harder than he's ever seen before. He said that he's correcting things in practice that he hasn't seen. And this isn't just from Ralph Kruger. This is from the coaches before that. You know, so I said Phil Housley, Dan Bilesma, others. So that's good to see that they're actually learning from practice. This is a young group that definitely has bought in. They're willing to learn from their coach. And I mean, we know Don Granado's background is strong. So you got to have confidence that he's going to give them the correct, proper plan to succeed on the ice. Now, again, at some point here, we can make this as rosy as we want. At some point, we still know the Sabres still need a lot more talent on the ice if they're going to at some point be a playoff competing team that may be competing team that can actually maybe make a run at the Stanley Cup. So I'm not naive in saying that this team still lacks a ton of talent in terms of comparison to the other strong teams in the East. But if we're comparing just what we're watching so far in terms of maybe what our, the expectation was publicly, uh, it has been a nice surprise. Going back to your warm, fuzzy comment here to start, like that piece is definitely there here to start. And let's face it, I mean, this, this fan base, to steal Darcy Regeer's word here, has been suffering for a long, long time. And they deserve a winner as quickly as anybody in all of professional sports. But I think that what you've seen from Sabre fans, it doesn't take much for them to buy back in. If you get the sense from your team that you're coming to work and that you're coming to play entertaining hockey, like Oposo said is their goal, I think fans will come back. It's going to be slow, I know, but I think that they've got the right person leading the ship in Granado that you will get the hockey community here in Western New York back behind this team maybe sooner than people thought just because they are likable. There's young players on this team. How can you not like watching what Dylan Cousins is doing? He had a very, very good game last night. I loved what you said about how you know Don Granado put him out there last year against the Ovechkin line, and he didn't back away from it, and he's going to make mistakes and they'll react and take care of it and learn from it but even last night they asked him about being frustrated because he's had he had so many good looks last night he didn't score and he goes look i've been a goal scorer all my life he goes you just have to let those things go he goes i know i'm going to get it as long as i keep doing what i'm supposed to do so i, I love dylan cousins attitude uh, i know that people have argued should he be the captain should he not i'm okay with him not being officially the captain at this moment i think the one-two combination of oposo and gergensen's might be a good transition to at some point naming Cousins a captain, whether it's next year or the year after. But uh, I think Dylan Cousins is a guy that fans are going to love here for a long time. Brian, I'll let you get out of here as you can uh, kick back, relax, before you're back at it tonight as the Sabres take on the Devils. It's always good talking to you. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, be back on at 6 for pregame. Thanks again. That's Brian Koziel. He's the host on the Sabres Radio Network as all games here on WGR. We'll get out of here real quick. Jeff and Chictawaga, I see that you're on hold. Hang in there. We'll take your call on the next segment. If you want to get a voice in here, drop a line. 803-0550-1888-550-2550. We'll take calls next on the Sabres as, you know, the future's looking nice right now. Why? They're not horrible. Horrible. They're not Kruger horrible. So... Let's hear from you on the other side of the break. Derek Kramer, Zach Jones, this is Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Oh, hey, look at that. It's uh, it's another vintage mini Sports Talk Saturday segment where the bump may or may not play the entire time for the, like the 45 seconds that I'm here. Uh, but... 
It was pretty good talking Sabres in the first hour and not being angry about them because we had Anthony Scandra of Expected Buffalo on in the first segment. We had Brian Koziel just now. And you've got more Sabres tonight as they take on the Devils at 7 o'clock on the road. It's their first back-to-back of the season. Is it their first back-to-back of the season? I'd like to think it is. I believe it is. I can't hear you, Zach. You can't hear me? Can you hear me now? Well, oh, okay. That that hurt my ears. Um, but Zach said, yes, it is. Okay, so we get to break. We shift gears. The Bills are at the bye week, and they're 4-2. and two. And yet, that last game had such a sour taste in everyone's mouths that you could have been thinking that this Bills team was like below 500. But they're fine. Everything's okay. And we'll see what the rest of the season holds. Because we've got Matt Perino coming on on the other side of the break as he'll talk to us and see any of the observations of the Bills so far, see if there's things that we've missed. Knowing Matt, there probably is something. And that's on the other side. Derek Kramer, Zach Jones, we're on Sports Talk Saturday here. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.